Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Ready to take your career to the next level? We've got the tools and support to guide you along the way. Unlock the doors to entrepreneurial success with Insiders, Creighton Cultivate's new membership program for go-getters and game changers at any stage of their career journey. Whether you're looking to turn your side hustle into your main moneymaker, step into that executive role, or stay on top of the latest trends as a seasoned entrepreneur, this membership is for you. Gain access to expert tips through detailed how-to guides, essential templates, worksheets, and on-demand videos from industry experts. Network and connect with a thriving community of women through our private Slack workspace with channels full of like-minded leaders. You'll also get inclusion and access to a member directory of your fellow insiders. Better yet, connect with us in person at one of our events. As an insider, you'll get one complimentary ticket to any Crate and Cultivate event each year, 20% off remaining events, plus fast-tracked entry and front-row seating at panels, workshops, and mentor sessions. We can't wait to see you there. To learn more and become an insider today, visit CrateCultivate.com insiders. That's CrateCultivate.com insiders. You've got big ideas, and we've got the tools to bring them to life. Welcome to Work Party, the podcast where we are throwing out the rule book and bringing you real talk and hot takes on what is happening in the working world right now because life moves fast. If we've learned anything from the past few years, it's that the only constant is change and we can't pretend everything is status quo. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Trending Topics. Big things are happening and we are here to talk about them. I'm joined by Kate Spees, the CEO of Create and Cultivate, where we unpack the latest news and help decode what it means for you and your business and your career. We've done all the reading, so you don't have to. So let's get into it. Today, I'm so excited to be diving into a topic that has been part of our conversation in work and life for the last few years, the current landscape of remote work, hybrid work, and work from home situations. It's impacting businesses big and small and redefining how we all work and live our lives. Kate and I have really strong opinions about this and very distinct POV. So we're going to get into what we love, what we hate, the pros, cons, and some of our learnings as we've navigated it with our teams and businesses. So welcome, Kate, the CEO of Create and Cultivate. I know there is a lot of ground to cover. So let's talk about working from home. Hi. As you can see, here I am at home where I have been working for the last three and a half years, I guess. Exactly. So I want to take us back to a time BC before COVID, if you will. BC, Um, yes. So I'm going to paint the picture. We're in the Crane Cultivate offices. They've been featured in Domino. They're absolutely stunning. There's 25 plus employees buzzing around, living, loving it, right? My perspective at that point, I mean, at that point, it was just normal, nine to six, 
See you in summer Fridays, you know, da, 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 da. but work from home was not a widely discussed, widely adopted thing. I think like, obviously there's doctor's appointments and things like that, that were always like, you know, part of it, but working from home to me, frankly, felt like I was like, not a fan. You know, it's crazy. I felt very similarly. And I think previous to COVID, only 6% of the workforce worked from home. It to your point, it was just not widely adopted. When I thought of working from home, I thought of engineers, you know, software developers. They always seem to like working from home, just there coding for 24 hours a day. But outside of that, I have this vivid memory of it was probably three months before COVID. So the very start of 2020. And the company I was working for at the time had said they saw the writing on the wall, obviously, and they'd said they wanted to trial everyone working from home for two to three days a week. This company was based in LA and they were saying they were worried about people's commute times and wanted to give that flexibility. I remember being scandalized. I'm someone who has always believed in work-life balance and want people to have flexibility and have some lives as well as work really hard. But I just thought there's no way I can't run this team with people working from home. We didn't use Zoom very much. We didn't, we were on Slack for sure, but every meeting was in person. And I just could not imagine a world in which my entire team would be working from home, which is where we now find ourselves. Yeah. I I mean, it was not a communication style that anyone had, right? So at the time when someone was like, oh, I want to work from home, It was essentially, and to be real, it was code for, I need to catch up on some life stuff. You know, like I got to do laundry, I got to do whatever, I got to like, you know, which again, fair enough. And it was always, it was essentially a catch up day. And that really was what work from home was. So it was like, make sure that there's no meetings that day, make sure that you can, you know, really take time because it was never considered like actual work. It was really more of a catch up day that, and you'll be, you'll be checking your email, right? When COVID hit and it was like, we're all working from home. I was like, this is going to be horrible because I was like, everyone's home. Obviously, there's this like insane global pandemic happening. Everyone's stressed. Like no one's going to be getting any work done because myself personally, to this day, I am less productive at home than I was in the office. 100%. What about you? Yeah. It's interesting. I find less joy in working from home, but I think I've just had to force myself to be productive. So I was very similar to you. I remember when we started trialing summer Fridays as work from home days, and I just did not get the same amount of stuff done. And I remember thinking this is not effective full year round because I'm just not getting through the same amount of work. But then I haven't returned to an office since the pandemic. And so I just had to learn so many tools for making myself be productive. That said, I'm someone because of my position, I sit in a lot of meetings. And so it's a little bit easier if you're sitting in meetings because you're forced to be somewhat present. I run a lot of meetings. And so I'm present, I'm there. I find that the issue with working from home now for me personally is really that there's no start and no stop. It starts the moment I open my eyes and I'm still checking email and Slack the moment that I go to bed. Part of that is I'm CEO. It kind of comes with the role. But I do believe that if I had a commute home from somewhere, there would just be that separation, which we'll get into all of that. But 
I do think that many people still struggle with productivity when working from home. But for me, it's really that I like people. I like being around my team. I want to hang out with people. I want to have a laugh. I want to be able to see their faces and not just through a screen. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the the social loss and the soft skills because this was the first thing. I mean, obviously with the COVID of it all, the team that we had, we had all known each other offline. So it was a little bit easier to ease into online working. I think where it got kind of weird was when it was like new people were in the mix and there was all just virtual. And what I realized was, you know, especially for our, you know, team members that were in their early, early 20s, you really are missing that collaborative environment. And some of my best friends I met in my early 20s in offices, like we bonded over like hating our boss or, you know, hating this or like this terrible client or whatever. And like, you're in the snack room, chatting it up. And, and that was really how I met some of the most amazing people in my life. And further to that, Going into your first meeting in boardroom, having to stand up and present something, learning how to work a room, read a room, give a pitch, like over Zoom, it's not the same, right? And so I do worry that this new generation um, that entered the workforce virtually may be missing some of those social moments and some of those soft skills. I think it's very valid. I learned so much from just being around. I started working in fashion magazines, just being around the senior members of that team, seeing how they conducted themselves, seeing how they ran a meeting, seeing how they interacted with clients or people external to our business. You just pick up on that stuff through osmosis and you obviously don't get that through Zoom. And You're right. I made some of my best friends at work in those early days. And I would like to say that we have a team now that likes each other very much and we all get along well, but we just don't know each other as well. And the onboarding of new starters and making sure they're comfy and they get the opportunity to get to know their team members is something I think about a lot. lot. Now, we're lucky because we have IRL events and that means that we get to bring ourselves together fairly regularly and a new team member within their first quarter of joining will get to meet people, which I think is so important. But outside of just meeting people and putting IRL faces to Zoom voices, that piece around the socialization that happens in the office is missing. When you go to primary school, you are socialized in how to be in a classroom. When you go to high school, you're socialized about how to follow rules, how to learn at a different level. When you go to university, you're socialized or college in the US, you're socialized in how to self-start and be autonomous and have that experience as a young adult. When you go into the office, really what I believe is you learn how to conduct yourself in an adult world, follow rules, while also advocating for yourself, sticking to deadlines and timelines, being responsible to other people. And it's not that any of that stuff has gone away. That's still very much needed as part of people's roles, but they're having to learn this all via Zoom. And psychologists fairly unanimously say that that is just a lot harder to do via digital platforms only. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so true. And everything you say, I absolutely agree with. Now, On the flip side of all of this, as a business owner, office space is expensive, right? So like we're looking at the expense of 
maintaining an office space, internet, computers, desks, da, 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 whatever it is, like all the different things. Like, you know, it, the Crane Cultivate Clubhouse was pricey. When you take all that away, you start to realize like, oh, wow, this is like five full-time employees that can add to the mix, right? Or whatever it might be for you. Like there is like a sense as a business owner where you're like, this is actually great in a way. And on top of that, I have the ability to tap talent wherever I want. So like the pool of talent and the skills of that talent are exceedingly higher than you would just like being in one city or like waiting for that type of person. So there are benefits to it as well. But at the same time, you know, we're starting to see people do things like cut salaries because they are working from home or whatever it is. So what's your, what's your take on that? Create and Cultivate is a company that has massively benefited from being able to hire people everywhere. I'm currently sitting in New York. As you know, and many Create and Cultivate fans would know, the company traditionally had been based in LA. The clubhouse was in LA. All of the employees were in LA. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to have this job in a pre-pandemic world unless I'd moved to LA, which isn't a realistic option at this point in my life. We currently have our CFO is in Oklahoma City. We have members of our leadership team in LA, Orange County, Arizona. We have people in North Carolina. So being able to tap into a national talent pool is massive. It really, really is. Also, I am highly aware when we're thinking about positives of work from home, and I think you and I both fall a little bit to the side of very tricky to manage teams through work from home, but I'm glad that we are on the positives because there are some. I really think about the flexibility that it's allowed parents and, and women, and I don't want to generalize and say that it is all women always carrying the emotional and you know time burden of the household, but the majority of that burden does fall to women. And not having to, I know from so many of my friends who have little kids, not having to get out of the house, drop kids off at school, sometimes different locations, plus get to an office, plus get in and get settled all by 9am has been a game changer. So I do think that the flexibility of working from home has allowed lots of women in particular to stay in the workforce when they may not have otherwise been able to do so. So that piece is hugely positive and I think that it's really hard to unpick this work from home situation and say that it's all good or all bad because there are really tricky parts but then huge benefits. However, to that last point you just made, there are people globally, politicians and business owners who are looking at, okay, do we reduce salary by 20% across the board because people are having this flexibility? And when you start to trade flexibility for remuneration, I get very nervous. That is not personally a deal that I would sign up for. A hundred percent. And I do agree. Like, I will say personally working from home, I've definitely prioritized my health more. I am cooking more at home. I obviously am more bonded with my dog than I've ever been, you know, whatever. (laughs) There's been all these amazing things. But then I also think about the economy at large, right? Where when everyone was going to Sweet Green for lunch, right? In New York, you know, like you're standing in line at Chopped and it's like, you know, 45 minute line and you're like getting your lunch and everyone's like buzzing about and then you're in your office space. And all of these companies and these spaces now are just empty. 
The entire people built and bought real estate, even stores based on foot traffic, based on lunchtime, based on people being in offices. Like the entire infrastructure of the work economy and the office economy has completely been dismantled, which is why we're seeing more and more. And I think it was Chase Bank who was like, oh, yeah, no, you're coming back to work. Like everyone's coming back to the office. And, you know, they're out, the people are, you know, an uproar about it. You know, they're really upset and things like that. And I, and I don't think personally it's because we want you guys to have a social whatever. They're like, because we're, we're, we have a 13 year lease and uh, yeah. we, need your, we need your ass in the office. It's one of those things where I think we're going to start seeing the money side of this argument versus the human side of the argument kind of come to a head because these large corporations, and again, people don't want to lose their jobs, even though now I think people are more like the world's ending, like whatever, I'll take the hit. But like, (laughs) it's sort of this like all or nothing mentality because they're trying to save their own assets because they have so much invested in commercial real estate. So it's it's going to get a little ugly. I think it will. And it's interesting because just this week, the cover of New York Magazine was looking at Manhattan and the number of buildings that are completely empty and that are close to foreclosure or are having to drastically drop rents. And being someone who's lived in New York for the last eight years, it is crazy to see the change in the city. I used to commute into Union Square, Times Square, Soho, Midtown, I've worked all over Manhattan and they were bustling. And to your point, there was always a line at the Sweet Green and the coffee shops were popping off. And it's really sad to go into certain areas of Manhattan at the moment because they're ghost towns. It's really depressing, honestly. And I do think that the shape of cities globally, not only from an economic perspective, but also just from a population perspective, have changed and will continue to shift because people are leaving the city in droves. And to your point of the economic and the human needs clashing, I completely agree that we're on the precipice of seeing those two things come to a head because so many people have moved their lives and moved out of the city and bought houses and made really big changes to their lives because they assume they're going to be able to work from home forever. However, we're really seeing that across the board, across industry, various different organizations are calling people back in. And there will always be the big tech giants that give people flexibility always. And we know that lots of tech companies have said that they will protect flexibility ongoing, whether that actually happens or not, who knows. But I think the reality is for almost all other sectors, employers want people back in the office. And of course, we're talking about kind of white collar employment here. There are lots of people, it's worth saying, that have never been able to work from home and have never had that benefit. And I think that that is something that is being talked about more and more as well, that we have all these office employees feeling kind of put out if their employers are asking them to come back in the office, yet we have nurses, teachers, people who stock shelves, the people who staff the shops that we shop at, you know, they've never been able to work from home. So there's a weird kind of cultural divide there as well that's that's kind of interesting. And last thing that I'll say is being someone who's Australian and has friends working all over the world, the US 
is still New York, particularly LA, is still working from home way more than any country, any country globally. Yes. When I go to London, and this has been the case for the last 18 months, all of my friends are back in the office, not full time, some four days a week, most three days a week in Australia. Everyone is back in the office for part of the week. I think the hybrid and the hybrid model is something that I really embrace. I don't want to be back in the office five days a week either, but I would like to see people semi-regularly. This is what's happening globally. I have lots of friends globally say, it's just so weird. It's like you guys are still living in the pandemic. Like, what do you mean you're still only working from home? But then again, you get to that tricky point. Like I said, I live in New York. A lot of my team are in LA and all over all over the country. So it's kind of, it's a hard egg to unscramble. Yeah. I'm like, why do you think that is? Why do you think like we are the one? I don't know. It's weird because the US is the capitalist center of the world. And I think that current thinking is that a hybrid situation is is best for business. And so it is incredibly strange to me that the US, in at least my anecdotal experience, is still the place that has the most work from home. I wonder if it's because the US is so influenced culturally by the big tech giants, the metas, the Twitters, even though Twitter's influence is quickly dwindling, but the metas, the Googles, and the fact that they have kind of made a stance and said that they're going to allow people to continue to work from home. I wonder if industries like ours, media, entertainment, et cetera, feel like unless we follow suit, the best talent is going to go to those big companies. I think maybe that's part of it. Yeah, no, it could be. It also could just be that we were in such a nine to six, first one in, last one out mentality that like getting the taste of it, we were like, never again. Like, we're like, we've been flexible this entire time. Like, we're good. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good, me neither. I'm Maddie Murphy and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. But I want to talk about work flexibility and trust because I think that was the hardest thing for me, right? Was trusting that people were doing work because I think it was such a new concept that, you know, and you're not seeing people at their desks and you're like, what are you doing? Are you just like napping? And people want (laughs) Also, you have quiet quitting and you have all these things bubbling up and people were working three jobs and like no one knows and like all these things. (laughs) So, you know, give us sort of your unpopular opinion on work flexibility. Yeah, it's really tricky. You know, I think that it's no secret that we are in a tough economic environment. So there's a recession looming and lots of companies are having to buckle up and work really hard to move through this environment. When you have forces like that at play, you really need your team operating at their best. You need them being incredibly smart about their time. You need them being efficient, 
you need to know that they are putting in their best every day. I will caveat that I am so lucky that we have such an incredible team at Create and Cultivate. And I say that very genuinely. People are very motivated. They try their best. They give a shit about our brand and our audience and our clients. However, there are, of course, times as a CEO and a leader that maybe you're the only one with your little slack light on and you're still working through stuff and you just think, oh, did everyone, did everyone bring their 100% A game today for eight hours a day? I hope so. And it's something I struggled with very much at the start. I wasn't working at Create and Cultivate at the time, but I remember being getting a little bit weirdly obsessed about people's green lights on Slack and whether they were there and had they done what I needed them to do today. And I think the thing that I learned is you have to trust your people. And if you don't, then they're not the right people. Because if I genuinely cannot just assume that everyone is putting their best foot forward and they know what's at stake and they know what they need to do and they're going to get it done, as a leader, you just drive yourself crazy. And so I think that I've gotten to a place where I've just learned to trust that everyone's doing the best, but also I'm lucky that I now have a team that I implicitly trust. So I think it would be a very different case if tomorrow I was to have a whole different team and I was going to have to get to know them all again and get to build that trust. I think also like the trust of it all comes from the fact that you and I basically grew up in the world of hustle culture where it was like, First one in, last one out, be at your desk, chained all day, even if you literally have nothing to do. And like that was what determined if you were a good employee or not. And so for us, that was something that we we did, you know, whether it made sense or not. And to my head, a lot of those things don't make sense. But we have that innate kind of learned experience. It's hard because like I think my unpopular opinion around hustle culture is that like I don't know if I would have been as successful as I am if I didn't put in those hours and hustle as hard as I did, you know, for a very long time, like in the way that this generation, you know, kind of has been a lot more like taking care of themselves and self-care and all these different things. I think, you know, that's sort of, it's tough for us because also we're the CEO. So we're in charge of the bottom line. We've got to get everyone paid. So it's like, there's a lot of stress around, you know, productivity and making sure everyone's doing their job. I agree. I mean, I think that hustle culture really is detrimental to people's mental and physical well-being. That that is just a fact at this point and we know that hustling for too long leads to burnout. We know that as individuals and you know the pandemic really proved this that we have to look after ourselves. However, hustling gets results. I I think I agree with your unpopular opinion and I don't think I am not of the mind where I need my team to be hustling for 365 days a year because I have learned, even though that's what I was told to do when I was young, very much. And I think that helped me get to where I am. But I also have learned that that's not how you get the best out of people. And also being Australian, we are a culture that really believes in taking breaks and having vacation and then coming to work really hard, but enjoying your weekend. And so I've always had culturally innately inside me that idea of you work really hard, but you do go and have a European summer vacation. So that has always been part of my ethos and my mentality as a boss. And I think that 
when it comes to working remotely and flexibility, what I like to see from my team is that when they're there, they're there. They feel responsible for what they're in charge of delivering and they feel responsibility to their teammates and they want to work hard to make sure that they are delivering for themselves but also you know, holding up their end of the bargain for the rest of the team. And as long as that happens, I have learned through working with Gen Z and millennials that are younger than me, I have learned the big benefit of being able to have those moments to tune out and to switch off and kind of regroup. And I think having grown up working in digital media for such a big part of my career, that idea of switching off is really hard because the internet always happens. And that's my personal challenge with working from home is, like I said, if the internet's always happening and you're always in your office, how the hell do you learn how to switch off? And I just have to be, I have to organize things with my friends that get me out of the house or go for a walk or just do those things that do break that cord a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you do a phenomenal job of managing a a large remote team. So what advice would you give small business owners who maybe are struggling with that, who are looking for tips to, you know, create that culture, create that, you know, intimacy to create those relationships virtually? Yeah. The first thing I'll say is it's bloody hard. It's really hard. And it takes a lot of time and effort and emotion and it really takes so much energy. So I want people to know who are in a similar situation to me, Any really anyone running a team, whether they're in the office all the time or just part of the time, it's hard and I see you and it's really rewarding in so many ways, but it's the thing that keeps me up at night is, are the team good? Is everyone playing nicely together? Is is the culture, is the culture good? And so it's difficult, but Things that I've learned and that I found effective over the last three and a half years is whether I am working with someone every day or once a month, no matter what role they have in the organization, caveat, this only works for kind of smaller teams. I want to know every single person on the team individually. So I spend time with our most junior members of the team, our midweight members of the team, and of course, the senior members of the team who I work with on a daily basis, I make an effort to at least monthly or quarterly spend some one-on-one time with every single person on the team because I want them to know that I'm a human being and I give a shit about them and I am going to push them and I'm going to push the team, but that ultimately I'm not just this faceless CEO who doesn't know them, know their story, know a bit about them. I also am really cognizant to make sure every now and then if I haven't heard from someone in a while or I haven't heard how they're doing from their manager just to check in with them, even if it is only on Slack. I think pushing to get your team together quarterly makes a huge difference and that can be really expensive. And so maybe it even is, you know, twice a year, three times a year, but you just can't replace those times of just having a lull and a laugh together and bonding as human beings. And then we do other things like we have a team bonding channel on Slack that sometimes is really active and other times is a little bit quiet, but I think is important for just those moments in the day of laughing together. We make an effort in various different meetings to just have a laugh and end on a lighter topic. And then also what I've tried to really encourage across the org is community 
within our team. So many of the midweight members of our team have a community meeting where they meet and they discuss things that are going on in their world. The senior members of our team have a meeting that I'm not in where they discuss what's going on with their world. So I think the number one piece of advice I could give is try and forge connections throughout your organization, both yourself as a leader, but also try and make sure that people within the team are connecting without you as well. Because that way, if I'm someone who is sitting on our marketing team, I have my direct boss who I can go to. I have the CEO who I can go to if you know I really need to talk to them. And then I have my peers who I have a personal relationship and I can go to. So people, I think, feel less lonely and less isolated if they have those bonds throughout the team. Such good advice. This is definitely a trending topic and a very active discussion that is ongoing. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Our DMs are open. We can definitely follow up and explore more conversations about how work is changing and evolving and share these learnings on how to be your best self and set you up for success in today's always changing landscape. Thank you so much, Kate, for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been fun. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party.